Hi guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, a Mitraff podcast. So how you doing this week, Mike? Hey, I'm great. It's Easter. Celebrating. Gonna go see my parents up in New York. It's been, God, nearly a year with the pandemics since I've seen them, so... uh Wow, wow. Yeah, it's going to be good. Happy Easter. What about you? Yeah, What's going happy on? Easter. All of you who listen to this, you know, hope you had a great Easter weekend. As of recording, you know, it's Thursday here, so we are, I'm going up to Philly to see my in-laws. My kids are up there right now. Uh, we're able to record a little earlier tonight because I, I don't have to put them to bed before I record. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's supposed to be low-key, you know, just just the, the family. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. Love it. Good stuff. Good stuff. And I'll be reading Extreme Measures uh, over the weekend to get ready for our April book of the month on the podcast. I like this yeah. one. I'm enjoying Me it as so well. far. Yes. I uh, I downloaded the audiobook to listen on the train up uh, to Philly. Um, I listened to the first chapter today. It's pretty good. I, I remember, I, I think I remember I really like this one. You know, it's very, I think I, so on the Vince Flynn newsletter, they just you know, profiled me this month and they asked me my favorite character of the series. And I said, I had to choose between either Mitt, um, Mike Nash or Irene. And this book is very Mike Nash heavy. So, yep. I've seen some people, and we're going to get to this right in April on yeah, our episodes, yes, but yes, yes, yes. I've seen some people criticize it for that reason that, you know, it opens up with a character that's not Mitch and some think he plays a secondary role. I'm not getting that vibe so far. I, I like the tag team. I, I like how they're playing off each other, and they're so different. So, um, anyway, we have a lot to dig in there, but I'm with you. I like this one. Yes, save it for the next pod. Yeah, we have to talk about our patrons and the support that they give us. So we we have now been able to ship roughly three shipments a month of ten books each through our team up with Operation Paperback, and so it's. The support that we get from our patrons that helps us not only cover our costs here, but then everything we have left over, we're putting into sending out um, books to the troops. Yeah, I actually put three care packages out, and I'm getting three more ready for April. And Operation Paperback is so great. Every month I just ask, hey, got another 30 thriller books, most of them, Vince Flynn, Mitch Rapp. I make sure every package has at least, out of the 10 books, seven Mitch Rapp uh, books. And I get names of usually uh, troops who are currently deployed. And so I am able to ship the care packages overseas. And every once in a while, a veterans hospital or another veteran organization that is requesting books for a library, maybe a senior home or um, in the waiting rooms of some of the VA medical centers. And so we're shipping out care packages. We are over 130 books sent out to our troops and veterans. And we'll do another 30 more this month thanks to the financial support of our patrons. So if you want to give back, help support the podcast and help support that effort, just visit www.patreon.com slash Pod, and that will tell you all the perks you get. You can get Mitrap Pod stickers, bookmark, 25% off coupon at our t-shirt shop to get a Mitrap Pod t-shirt, and all of your funds will help support our partnership with Operation Paperback. And you get uh, entry into our book giveaway. So Giveaways, we still have a couple, that's right. We still have a couple signed copies of Mitrap novels. So yep. um, been able to give out probably like 12 or so books right now so far. Sure, yeah, I think so. Yeah. One per month, pretty yeah. much. So 
All autographed wanted, by Vince Flynn or Kyle. Exactly. So if you want to, you want to join, support us, you know, or and support a good cause, do that. Also, if any of you have uh, books, you can reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, we could ship them for you. If you don't want to go to OperationPaperback.com, we're willing to take your used books. So anything sure. to to help us with this program, that'd be great. You could also email us at MitchRatPod at gmail.com. All right, so can you tell us who we're interviewing today, Mike? Yeah, I'm excited. This this was a great this was interview. awesome. Yeah, you and I just kept talking about how much fun we had, how personable Jack is, and so we had Jack Carr on the podcast. So excited to get this interview to you. He had a lot to talk to us about. I mean, he just launched his new podcast, Danger Close. They're yes. three episodes in, and it's awesome. Really enjoying the content. Yep. And then also Devil's Hand comes out in just under two weeks, mid-April. You can get a copy of The Devil's Hand, the fourth James Reese thriller by Jack Carr. So really hope you enjoy this interview. Check out his book. Check out his podcast. What a great time. We hope you have as much fun listening as we had recording this. Yes. Right. Today, we are very excited to welcome a man who needs no introduction, Navy SEAL, author, and now podcaster. Welcome, Jack Carr. Hey, thank you guys for having me on. And yeah, we just uh, we just hopped on. We were talking and getting all excited about talking all things Mitch Rapp, Vince Flynn, books, thrillers. And uh, then we're like, we should start recording this now. So we just... Uh, <laughs> We just hopped on and, uh, and hit record in the in the middle of our first couple minutes of getting to know each other. So, uh, yeah, and I love what you guys are doing. Saw when it popped up, and I was super fired up to see that, uh, see you guys doing that. And you know, of course, I was like, "Who are these guys? This, this looks awesome." Uh, and yeah, hopefully, uh, yeah, reach back out at any time uh, to to jump on and talk uh, talk anything thrillers, Mitch Rap, Vince Flynn, anything like that. I'm I'm on board. I'm in. I'm in. Awesome. Well, yeah. Well, We'll definitely take you up on that, but sure. the, first one, thank you for coming on the podcast, taking your time. Um, we're a huge fan of you, huge fan of your books, obviously your new podcast, and especially all the work you do for veterans. I'm sure most of our listeners know who you are, but just in case for some reason, you know, someone's been living under a rock who's actually listening to us, uh, could you just give us a brief uh, background about you and how you got to where you are now? Yeah. So uh, two things I want to do with my life. One was to serve my country in uniform, specifically as a SEAL when I found out what SEALs were when I was seven. Uh, and then the second thing was to, to write thrillers. Uh, and they're connected, although I didn't really see them as connected back when I was seven. Um, but uh, they're definitely connected. Uh, and a lot of that is because uh, I started researching when I was a little kid. My mom was a librarian, so I grew up surrounded by this love of books. And uh, when she found out I wanted to be a SEAL, I asked her what they were. We did some research at the local library. And uh, every time something would come out about SEALs, about special operations, about Army Special Forces, uh, terrorism, like I was there, Newsweek, Time Magazine, New York Times, Examiner, whatever it was, um, I was I was in there from like a very early age. And I collected and all that stuff. I still have most of my, my books with me from that I've collected throughout my life. But back then there was hardly any, you couldn't just jump online and go down the rabbit hole of Navy SEALs or Army Special Forces or CIA Ground Branch or whatever. You couldn't research that stuff if you heard it about it somewhere. Uh, that was all you had is uh, is that book or that magazine article or that one sentence mention here, here or there. Uh, but the protagonists of a lot of thrillers back then and continuing today had backgrounds that I wanted in real life. 
one day. So I was reading Tom Clancy and Nelson DeMille and David Morrell and AJ Quinnell and JC Pollock and Mark Olden and all these guys whose, whose original books I still have. And now I have a lot of, uh, now, now these days I'm going back and I'm collecting first editions uh, signed of those authors that I would read like in paperback or get, you know, secondhand here or there, take my parents or whatever. So now I'm going back and building the collection of, of signed first editions of which I have every Vince Flynn. All right. No, oh, I'm jealous. Or he made, he was at Simon and Schuster. So, uh, yeah, they're still in the boxes because we're in the middle of a move here. So they're in the boxes still and in these, uh, uh, these bubble wrap, uh, bookcase things. Um, but when we get to the, the new house and I have a, an actual library, then they're going to go in a very, very special nice. place. Nice. Um, but I digress, but I digress. So, uh, so I'm reading all these things. I'm reading everything I can about warfare and terrorism and counterinsurgencies. And I'm reading all those authors. And uh, what I don't really realize is that I'm giving myself an early education in the art of storytelling just by reading all these people right. mm -hmm. or these different stages of my life. Um, and then, but I'm also training up physically and mentally trying to do everything I can uh, to increase my chances of making it into the SEAL teams. Um, so doing all those things. So I went in the SEAL teams, enlisted, um, was a sniper, uh, became an officer, uh, and then yeah, I got out in 2016. So I did 20 years. And during those last couple of years, uh, uh, I realized that after I got back from my last Iraq deployment, that it was time to get out and take care of my family. It was very clear to me that it was time. Uh, and so I picked my head up, looked around and thought, okay, what, what's, what's next? And well, next is that next chapter that I thought about my whole life, which is writing thrillers. So I started to write during that last year, year and a half that I was in when in the military, for those who have been, uh, when you drop your papers, now it becomes your job to get out of this gigantic bureaucracy. So you're going to medical, you're going to dental, you're going to read out, get out, read out of these different secret programs, you're turning in gear, you're standing in lines, you're making appointments, basically go in another pile. And people are just like, well, just, just go and get out of the military. So you have to <laughs> So you have time. Uh, so I decided, that's when I started writing that first novel, The Terminal List. Um, and I, when I started, I wrote down six, seven, eight different ideas that uh, that I wanted to explore. And it was very clear to me which one needed to be that first novel. It was Terminal List. It had I had to come out of the gate swinging hard. It had to be visceral. It had to be primal. Uh, and it had to get noticed by a New York publisher. Like that was what I was. Uh, the one I really wanted to write first was Savage Son, my third one. But uh, but that had to wait because I knew that the characters weren't developed enough to explore those themes yet. So Terminal List was the one, and it was very clear. And then even after the Terminal List, still not ready for Savage Son. Still had had to write True Believer. Uh, my protagonist had to go on this journey of redemption. Had to learn to live again. Had to find this next mission in life. Um, so after that, then it was time for, for Savage Son. And then now it's time for The Devil's, Devil's Hand, which Hand. comes out right. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about that. Your first three books were fantastic. And the themes you chose from redemption, revenge, and with Savage Son, I've heard you talk about the dark side of man. What can readers look forward to as a theme in The Devil's Hand? I mean, I'm halfway through it. It's incredible. And just got my copy today. Yeah. Thank you. I wish you guys didn't have galleys because I just got my hardcovers uh, oh, today. Nice. I, just, I just filmed the opening thing of it. Um, and I'll, I think I'll put that up on Friday or something. But yeah, this just uh, this just came out. And I'm not giving many galleys away because the gal they printed the galley before first pass edits. Okay. So uh, so I had like zero other eyes on it before that one printed. So there's in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many little mistakes in there. Not huge ones, but small ones. Dude, uh, so it's kick-ass. It's kick-ass. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really good. You put James Reese really on a new path, uh, professionally, personally. I don't want to say much more than that, but can you tell us about your thought process and your mission in writing this, the fourth book? 
Yeah. So uh, exploring this one, things that I thought about while I was in the solo teams, and now that I'm that I'm out, what I continue to to think about today, and that was, hey, what does the enemy learn by watching us on the field of battle for the last 20 years? Uh, and what did they learn from 1979 to 2001? Two very different models, two very different paradigms, and we're talking about about terrorism. Uh, and then as I'm writing, things are happening in 2020. 20. What a crazy year it was. Uh, so I'm writing this book where I'm putting myself in the enemy's shoes and looking back on these two distinct different periods, 79, 2001, 2001 to today. But I know the enemy is not just watching our response to COVID, not just watch, watching the civil unrest in our cities, not just watching a very contentious political season and then going about their day. No, they're taking lessons from these things and they're applying it to future battle plans. So that's really what the book is about. So as these things are happening during this very pivotal, tumultuous year we just had, uh, I'm real time writing some of these things into the storyline. Um, wow. Yeah. And the first ones I, I had, first I had like the one word, so revenge, well, revenge without constraint, but I wrote revenge on a little yellow sticky and put it on my computer. Uh, and then redemption, boom, same thing, yellow sticky. Uh, and then I found out that I had misunderstood Stephen Pressfield when he talked about, he was on Rogan years ago, and he talked about how, what, this is what I thought he talked about, uh, that he would take one word for his books. And Stephen Pressfield, for those listening, wrote Gates of Fire, Legend of Bagger Vance, The Afghan Campaign. He has a new book out uh, called The Man at Arms. Um, but I, I thought he was saying that he would take one word and put it next to, in his case, I think it was a typewriter, and uh, and that would guide him as he wrote. I thought that's a fantastic idea. Uh, so I wrote Revenge down, and if something didn't either directly or indirectly lead back to that theme, then I edited it out right away. So when I got to Simon & Schuster, I thought they changed a ton, and they didn't change they asked to change anything. They had clarification in a couple spots, but that was, uh, was it. And I thought they were gonna change a ton. I thought, oh, it's going to Simon & Schuster, it's going to New York Publisher. If they wanna put Exploding Robots from Outer Space in, then guess what's going in? <laughs> Exploding Robots from Outer Space are going in. You had a tight uh, story though. Can't change so, it, it's perfect. Yeah, but I think that's because of having that, yeah. uh, that revenge. Right. Right. Note that kept me on track as I went along. But then I became friends with Stephen Pressfield later on, and I found out he was telling a story about a playwright who would write a sentence down about a play that he's working on. Uh, and so, uh, now, so now I've moved on from the one sentence thing. Right. So Savage Son, it became uh, the dark side of man through the dynamic of Hunter and Hunted. So more than one word, but, it's, uh, but it still fits on a, on a yellow sticky. So now I've given myself a sentence or two to play around with. So uh, for this one, it's, uh, it's what, the, what did the enemy learn by watching us on, on the field of battle. And I explore a few different, different things in this book, like targeted assassinations, the ethics, morale, legality behind targeted assassinations, because I thought about that in the SEAL teams. I thought about what we were doing, putting targeted packages together every night, going out on these missions, coming home, uh, and then seeing in the news, hey, a drone strike just, you know, killed so-and-so here, whether in Somalia or, or Afghanistan or wherever it was. Uh, and just thinking about uh, being in uniform for so long and being there from September 11th all the way through when I got out, you kind of take a little time to, to breathe and think about, hey, is what we're doing really moving the ball forward? Are we, um, are we improving this situation? What are we solving? Are we making these, a, a situation worse? So I think about those things I did and I continue to think about those things today uh, because now we have kids going down range that are fighting the kids of people that I fought at the beginning of the war. Um, so those are, those, those are themes that I think about. So it's very natural for them to find their way into the pages of the novels as well. So uh, you brought up something interesting that I wanted to ask you real quickly. So you mentioned that these novels that you write, they're not just entertainment. You want to say something else. How do, do you find that this genre 
because we when we read Mitch Rapp we and and Vince Kyle Vince's words and Kyle's words we we tend to extrapolate these things out but a lot of people when they read them they just read them for fun but I I feel like this genre you can actually you can take stuff from it do you do you agree with that do you think that like you can say other and have a more powerful message in your these thriller novels while also being entertainment yeah no I think so and I think some authors do some authors don't um, some authors take uh, uh, try not to. Uh, others don't, just because it's natural the way they're the way they're writing, and it's not really something that's conscious that they're trying to do or not to do. It's just that they're just writing a story. Um, so for me, because uh, it's because of my just involvement in these things, and because uh, it became a very therapeutic writing experience, is what happened with that first one. And I didn't expect that going in. I had the you know, the one page executive summary of those six, seven, eight different ideas, um, and I chose the one. I chose Terminalist, uh, and then I started that that outline. Put that put that outline together and then i started writing and it was from really from sentence one after the outline part of it when i then moved over to turn that outline into the narrative that uh that i realized hey, this is going to be a much more personal writing experience than i thought when i wrote these ideas down and then when i went through this uh this outline here and they're not like kyle's kyle talks about his hers are very in-depth um mine are uh, as in-depth as as I as I can get as much as I know beginning middle end a couple other things I want in there themes um, just kind of as a guide but if there are some things that I come up to that uh, are like kind of like a brick wall or something I can't figure out or like ah, this doesn't make any sense I know that I have time so I know that I will figure it out so I don't let that that slow me down at all um, and I think that was yeah that was very very helpful but so anyway start writing and right away it becomes apparent that this is going to be a much more personal writing experience than I anticipated at the outset. Then um, that's in writing uh, that first prologue. It's in writing that scene in Afghanistan uh, with the ambush because I think back, okay, uh, what was it like? What did it feel like to actually get ambushed? Oh, okay. Right. And I put that in, you know, just the feelings, you know, not, not the actual mechanics of it, but uh, the feelings behind those sorts of things into the story. Hey, what does it feel like to get interrogated by NCIS? Oh, I have some experience there too. Uh, what did that feel like? What did I want to do? Uh, so those sorts of things. So it became much more personal than I thought. And, and it's remained that way. Um, it's not like I ran out of uh, personal experiences to, to uh, kind of delve into or explore. Um, and I kind of thought that at the end, like, oh, maybe I'm going to run out of these things. Uh, well, I'm, I'm fictionalizing those feelings and those emotions. Mm -hmm. um, so I can take the, the same experience, I guess, fictionalize it and tap into those emotions uh, and tie it into multiple different storylines. And over 20 years in the SEAL teams, especially after September 11th, there's a lot to work with. So you got uh, plenty, plenty of stories. <laughs> All that finds its way in there. I hear that and I think, oh, thank goodness. That means more books for a very long time. <laughs> book. Yeah, I'm working on book five right now. So I have book five. I have, yes. uh, I have one page executive summaries on book five and six because I feel that it is, for me anyway, I like knowing where it's going. Um, I like, right. I'm not yeah. wasting bandwidth worried as I'm writing book five. Like I have no, no part of my thought process is worried about book six. I already know exactly how book six starts, how book six ends wow. and things I want in book six. Uh, but that's enough. Like I don't need to get any more in depth than that other than if I have some sort of an epiphany as I'm writing book five, I can just jot it down and, and put it in the file for book six but other than that it just frees up the rest of my mind to work solely on book five so i like going in knowing the end i know some authors don't know the end um uh, when they when they start but uh but i like knowing the end um just because i think it gives me some one less thing to worry about as i'm as i'm sitting down to do this not worried about oh geez how is this gonna end how am i gonna get there oh, what if i never get there uh you know that sort of thing there's no thought there i've got it and uh and i'm on the path you know, a component you touched on earlier was 
how much more can go into your books from the personal feelings, having the experience, but also your background. You said you devoured military history and everything you can get your hands on. Well, that clearly shows, you know, we could read one of your books and I'm a history teacher. I'm learning about new missions and operations that I never even studied, you know, in school or in college. And now you have the Danger Close podcast. So we want you to have a chance to tell the audience a little bit more about this project. And I'm looking forward to it, learning so much more. I mean, you mentioned, I think in one of your Instagram posts a while back, you're always, you know, showing this military knowledge that I never knew about an Israeli operation where they landed at an airport in Uganda, impersonated uh, Idi Amin's forces and the security guards. Well, we we read that into a Mitch Rapp book where Vince was writing a similar scene where Rapp goes undercover as Saddam, uh, excuse me, Uday Hussein's uh, motorcade and impersonates him. And I'm like, these connections between the thriller verse and real life history, well, now your Danger Close podcast, I think, can uh, share those messages a lot more, huh? Yep, no, exactly. And I, I think, you know, hey, in 1965, 1975, 1985, 1995, even 2005, there wasn't this medium with which to connect with readers, with which to give them a behind the scenes, with which to engage. Uh, there is today. Um, so same thing with, with Instagram, with Twitter, with Facebook, those didn't exist for authors that were, were writing back in the day. And yeah, maybe it was great because they didn't have these other distractions, but they also couldn't engage with that readership. They couldn't build that trust with that readership. And as a kid, I would have loved to have, uh, to have known a little more about what David Morell was doing or when the next, you didn't know when the next book was coming out. Like, is it a year? Is it a year and a half? Is it two years? There is no way to check on this. You just had to like go to the bookstore and look on the shelves and see that one, a new one was out. Um, like there was really no way to check unless there was a magazine article or it was in a newspaper thing in the book section of the Sunday paper or something like that. But it was just, you can just Google it. Uh, it didn't, that didn't exist. So uh, with the podcast, just like with, uh, with, with social media outreach and all that sort of thing, uh, it's just a way to, to connect with people and with readers. And uh, like I do with my blog section of the website, I have a, uh, a reading list that I, I select. I didn't wanna put just one reading list up and have that be the end. So I just pick six every month uh, to put up there and talk about, hey, where I was when I was reading these, uh, how it impacted me. There's a combat leader or as an author, that sort of thing. So I put them up each month six books each time for the most part. Um, and I have a blog section also where I go and talk about the different weapons, the different, uh, maybe the vehicles or whatever else. Just a, It's a way to go a little deeper into the books. It might not be appropriate for the novel, but for those that like want to know a little bit more, well, here's the blog section. And I look at the podcast the same way. Uh, actually, my first interview for it was in at BoucherCon, um, which is a, 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 an author's, writer's, reading, fan festival um, in November of 2019. And I kept hearing people say, oh, there's no barrier to entry on, on podcasts. It's super easy. So I was like, okay, so I got this Rodecaster thing, what I still have here in my, in my new office here. Uh, and I got the headsets and all that stuff. I'm trying to figure out how to use it. I think I got it, okay. Uh, and then I go to BoucherCon and I do these interviews. Uh, and then I go back and I, I, I couldn't figure the rest out. Like I have someone that does my website and all that sort of thing. Uh, and, uh, and he was gonna try to figure it out for me. And we just kind of got so busy because it just got crazy. So over the last couple of months, I've outsourced it to people that really know what they're doing. So all I have to do is hit record to the podcast and they upload it and, uh, and do all the rest and put it out there. And I, I write the copy and all that, but, um, but yeah, it's another- Always hit record. 
Yeah, record. Yeah, hit multiple records. I like a, I have the camera here. I have camera here. I have the record button here. I see everything is red, and we go. Um, so, so yeah, it's another way to to go beyond the books, go a little deeper into some of these subjects, and I get to talk to amazing people all the time. So I figured, why not just uh, hit record when I'm having those conversations, and uh, you know, expand the readership through that through that medium, through that platform. Yeah, we. I look forward to listening to those on my drive into DC for work. Oh, so. So beyond the podcast and the book, uh, there's even more to look forward from you. Uh, obviously, you've mentioned on your Instagram many times uh, that Amazon has started filming for The Terminal List, um, starring Chris Pratt as the one and only James Reese. So what has this process like been with you, working with Amazon, working with, well, you know, how much are you involved? You know, can, can you ex expand on that a little more? Yeah, it's crazy. I think every author has a different experience because um, each project is different. Different personalities are involved and different, uh, different production companies are involved. Everybody brings a different experience to it. Uh, so I think they're all, they're all different. So mine was uh, the, the earlier part, the way Chris even got the book in the first place is uh, Buddy called me out of the blue in November of 2017. So the first book came out in March of 2018. And, uh, and he called me out of the blue to say, hey, thank you for what you did for me in the SEAL teams. Like, and I hadn't talked to him about five years or so, I think. And uh, I couldn't even remember what it was. And uh, he's like, hey, you sat me down in your office. You helped me with transition. I was getting out. You're the only person that, uh, that introduced me to people in the private sector and helped me with that transition. And I always wanted to say thank you. Um, I was like, hey, no problem. Of course. You know, how's it going? And, uh, and he's like, well, I heard you have a book coming out. And uh, I'm like, yeah, it's coming out in a few months. I have this galley copy thing. You know, it's kind of a rough draft. And, uh, and he said, well, I'd love to give it to a friend of mine. Um, and I was like, who's that? And he said, Chris Pratt. Nice. I was like, oh. That's interesting. So I was imagining Chris Pratt in this role as I was writing it for the last Star year. Lord. So, um, yeah, exactly. And, but when I was writing it, when I started writing it in, I think December of 2014, I think was, was that Zero first? Dark Thirty. Zero Dark yeah. Thirty. Was he doing? Yeah, he, Zero Dark Thirty and Andy on Parks and Rec. Andy on Parks and Rec. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. So if it was just Andy on Parks and Rec, maybe not. But uh, also the Zero Dark Thirty. So those were the two things. But she had a very small role for those who have not seen that um but something in my head i didn't as i was writing you know they tell you i think in some if you were writing books i've heard that uh they say not to picture somebody playing your mm. your protagonist but as a child of the 80s that's just not happening like i'm thinking to think of somebody to play this right yep. um so but i know that wasn't going to be like someone who'd done it before i thought yeah. that was important uh not to have someone like you're like okay who's done this before mark Wal mark Wahlberg's done it before this person's done it before this person doesn't before i need somebody that needs to do this because they need to show their range as an actor um they need to do something that's gritty that's dark uh they need to do something like tom hanks did with philadelphia in the early 90s um he'd done all those comedies uh in the 80s and then he took that risk with philadelphia and since then he's been able to do whatever he wants so i thought who's that guy for this this generation and uh I thought Chris Pratt. So I was like, that is the guy. And uh, so I was, as I was writing, I know, didn't know I had that connection to him or, or anything, but uh, my buddy gives it to, to Chris. Chris reads it on a flight over to, I think, Jurassic World or something over to London uh, in on December, I think it was 28th uh, of 2017. And then a week later, he called and wanted to wanted to option it. So, wow. uh, and Anton Fuqua got involved. Yep. Anton Fuqua, he, uh, yes. I, I pictured him directing. Yes. He'd, uh, he's the only person I ever wanted to direct it. And now they're both doing it. He, Antoine is uh, directing the first episode. It's eight episode series. Um, so that's how it came about. And then uh, from there, it just takes time to line everything up. Uh, it took a year, a year or two. So that's 2018. My, uh, so this last January of 
2020, um, we start writing the first episode and wow. it's me and the screenwriter, me and the showrunner um, are writing that. And uh, that was fantastic. That was an incredible experience because I had not written anything like that before. So I'm learning really, I'm just advising, you know, but I'm learning and contributing and it was really cool. And then the showrunner, screenwriter slash, uh, uh, it's like kind of the same the same person, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Pratt and Antoine Fuqua, they shopped it around. They took it to Amazon, they took it to Netflix, they took it to all these places. They got a, a bidding war going on it. And then, uh, and then yeah, it ended up at, at Amazon. Um, and so that was last year around this time, I think. Uh, and they started putting the pieces in play and trying to figure out schedules and, and all the rest of it. And here we are, and they're they are filming right now. So that's, great. that's kind of how it came about. I'm an executive producer, um, and uh, which I don't know what that means quite yet. And, <laughs> uh, and I'm an advisor on all the scripts. So so after that, they put the, um, uh, after they sold it to Amazon, then Amazon puts a uh, group of writers together. Yep, they put the writers room together. So that about 15 people maybe. Uh, 10 to 15 more in there people together but they're only contracted for a short amount of time a month two months three months i forget what it was because in 2020 everything kind of blended um but they got uh they put their the the scripts together and as they finished they sent them to me and i do uh you know take my red pen out and do my edits and circle yes no here no no one would ever say this uh you know that sort of thing send them back and then they go on to their projects so then it comes down to just the showrunner screenwriter again and then one other person one other uh screenwriter also i think and then i continue to advise as those scripts go up and down the amazon chain get notes from executives and come back down um and then they get their final final sign off and then they hit the ground running so that's kind of the uh that was the my experience anyway thus far and then i'll be out there here a few times over the next few months to maybe do a cameo and uh and also hey there each, each director for uh, each episode is different so i really wanted to be able to shake hands and say hi to each director and thank them for uh, cool. uh, for doing this so nice yeah. well is season one uh going to be all of the your first book just terminal list or yep. Yeah, terminal list, and then I guess you have to see how it does. Like, if it doesn't do well, then there's probably no second season. Uh, if it does well, and they'll uh, they're they're already talking about setting the second season up. So I'm sure it'll do well. Sure it um, so I guess you never. I mean, uh, I guess you never know. But uh, you think back to some of those movies that were touted, you know, as being like the best movies of all time, that just you know, totally flop. Uh, and you never know. I heard an interesting story about from uh, the crew reviews guys. They were telling me that Rocky um, was supposed to. There's another movie that was coming out with like De Niro or something at the same time. And the deal was, oh, this De Niro movie will make up for everything we lose on Rocky. Oh, come on now. Yeah. Yeah. Rocky was, they thought Rocky was going to be a bomb. Yeah. And so it ended up that this other one, it was, I forget, it was like New York, New York, I think it was called, something like that. Anyway, this one, no one's ever heard of it. I'd never even heard of it. Anyway, that one. And then Rocky, of course, you know, gave us Rocky Balboa and gave us all the, all those movies and, and all that inspiration. Seven Rocky movies. Yeah. I would, I'm just thinking ahead now. I would love to see the Hastings Ranch on uh on set i'd love to be on a set of that out in what is it montana and yeah yeah we might find out we'll see we'll see if we get to a third season oh, or even africa <laughs> the african scenes it would be awesome to see on screen that would be pretty cool and there's some yeah. new technologies out there that uh, people are looking into and investing in i think covid really uh pushed a lot of that research and investment forward uh in able being able to like bring other places to hollywood and using all this not animation but whatever they do with that magic to really uh kind of bring things to bring that green screen to the next level yeah bringing all that to the next level where it actually looks real but it's all just out there magic until you're forced to make changes you don't but then when you have to you know you do what you gotta do so yeah yeah we don't want to go down the rabbit hole of Mitch Rapp on screen because there's uh, mixed mixed results there, and that's that's a conversation for another time. 
But we do want to get to Mitch Rapp. And so let me ask you, do you remember meeting Mitch Rapp? What was your first uh, Vince Flynn book? Or uh, do, you, do you have any fond memories of, of reading and encountering Vince Flynn and his works? I do. Actually, I brought a show and tell hey, here. Ooh. I brought my, uh, the first book that I read. Yes. Term oh, let's go. Term out, kind of like expanded out, you know, a little bit. But this is the original one that I read on the plane to Afghanistan. Um, so yeah, this is the, the original one. So now I have those other, the other two, uh, that are the hardcover first editions. One was Simon and Schuster one that, uh, that been published before that, uh, are out in the box signed. So that's, uh, that nice. is those are pretty, pretty special, but this is the, the paperback that I, uh, that I read for the first time. And this is obviously Mr. Trapp is not in this, uh, but yes. this is where I was introduced to, uh, to Vince Flynn and, uh, Michael O'Rourke and Scott, Scott Coleman. Coleman. And, Yep. And, uh, you know, that whole whole universe starts starts here. You know, Mitch Rapp wasn't in it, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, so it is. So because probably because it's my first introduction to Vince Flynn, um, it's probably that's why it's probably my favorite. Uh, if I have, if you, I don't like choosing favorites on anything because uh, everything's so subjective. Sure. So um, right. because of where I read this, Most you know, the time or mm-hmm. that we were in, so it is very very meaningful. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. I was like, I would love to be able to do something like this one day. I was already on that path, but I was like, oh, wow, this is something different. Like this was, you know, there's certain things you can point to that move the genre forward. Um, right. You know, you look at uh, uh, the most dangerous game, short story, you look at Rogue Mail, you look at uh, uh, First Blood, you look at uh, Brotherhood of the Rose, you look at uh, uh, Spy Who Came, came in, in From the Cold. cold. Yep. Yep. There certain books that move the genre forward um and uh and this was this was one for that new for the new era uh this was this was it and then of course you know double down with transfer of power next and i can't yes. remember if i read transfer of power next or if i read this and i was just like okay i need there's another one out um i can't remember if i because i was on a this is 2003 when you'd I have read to this. match it up with your deployments and try to so, yeah, calendar so it out just, I think I'm on a plane in 2003 when I read this. So I can't remember if it was a uh, third option next or if it was, was transfer of power. I can't, I can't remember um, if I went out of order. Uh, I might've gone out of order in the beginning, just out of necessity. Um, yeah. Third option is not a bad way to meet rap. That's a good no. One. And I think so, like when you talk to people, a lot of them are like, what the third option? They're like, well, I love this one. And it, and that's I why I, it's one of my favorites. Is it awesome? Yeah. I love it. And I think it's because I read them out of order. I think I read this one next. And that's just, I, I wish I could remember, but I think I meet Mitch Rapp in this one for the first time. And then I read Transfer of Power. Okay. I think that's how it went, but I'm a little hazy in that time period. I know Term Limits was first because I know exactly where I was and what I was doing. Um, and then I was like, okay, what's next? And I, I, I think it was this and then Transfer of Power and then in order um, from then on. But, uh, but it might be because I read it out of order that it stands out so much. Uh, and I love this one. Yeah. I think this is this is fantastic. I, it's it's, it's really Mitch as a spy, yeah. like really his yeah. spy craft, and working with uh, Thomas Stansfield, who was the director in that one, and his t- his time wrapping up at the CIA. It's an awesome one. Yeah. It's a classic. I love. Yeah, I love this one. So I, I want to go back and and read this one again. Um, actually, just because I keep uh, I, I feel like I have this connection uh, to this one, and I have gone back and and read um the prelude a few times just because it stood out like i didn't forget those lines that's a great couple of pages like I, right I, there yeah yeah it's, it's it's awesome so so i love that um so I, and i've come back to that uh, a few times because it's uh you know i i just remember it so that book reminds me the most of like vince trying to at, at times i feel like he tries to not mimic but like um 
you know, adapts or plays on certain stories. And I feel like that one was most like uh, a, uh, like a Jason Bourne type novel or um, what's his, I'm blanking on the author. Ludlum. Uh, Ludlum. Yeah. Like like homage to Ludlum. Okay. Yeah. I know. I think I know exactly what you're saying. And it's been now not quite 20 years, I guess, but you know, a couple of moons since I read it. So, um, but I was saying if, if, if it was, I was going to say that it uh, some there are some elements of uh, maybe a Daniel Silva of a Gabriel Alon type uh, in this storyline more so sure, there too there too and of course I'm I'm dating I mean I'm like you know there, there's a little fog and haze between when I read this and now uh, like I haven't looked back at this in quite some time so uh, but I, but I I seem to remember that more so than the others I wouldn't really say that about any other of uh, of Vince Flynn's novels um, but. Uh, but in looking back and just thinking of them broadly, that, that, that does stand out as a little bit, a little bit different. Yeah. Well, we want to respect your time. So we like to wrap up asking what our guests are currently consuming. Is there any media you'd like to plug a book, a TV show, what's on your nightstand, you know, what's on your Netflix, what have you been consuming these last few uh, weeks and whatnot? Yeah. Yeah. So I am, uh, I've been full on into this Figuring out this podcast, uh, the Danger Close podcast, for the last couple of weeks, like getting it ready to go, the graphics, what goes on uh, Twitter, what goes on Instagram, what goes on Facebook, when do you post, how do you link, like all those sorts of things have uh, have totally monopolized uh, my right. time. Right. Uh, we're, we're, uh, but uh, but a few books have come in over the last few days, so I haven't started any of them yet, but a lot of OSS uh, training type uh, books from World in and Around World War II. Um, really the creation of, of the CIA. So I've been going down um, that rabbit hole a little bit because it's so, so fascinating to me that, that recruitment and who, you know, who even knew about it, how did they get those people? What did they do? Um, all that sort of thing. So that's kind of the rabbit hole that I am, am going down right now um, as, as we speak. Um, Netflix wise, uh, we're trying, we're in season three of uh, Cobra Kai. Ah, so uh by the time we get to the end of the night these days, like we have three kids, a dog, like the, it's just chaos around here at all times. Um, so those episodes, I think they're like, they feel like they're like 20 minutes. Maybe they're a little longer, maybe they're 40, I don't know, but they seem like they're 20 or 30 minutes. Um, so that's really all we have time for at the end of the of the day. But uh, but we love the Bosch series. I think we've, I don't oh, think yeah. there's a new, new season of that out yet, but there's one more coming, is that right? I think that's- uh, I think so. I think that's in the works. Um, so, so I like that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's, uh, nice. uh, yeah, loving, loving that stuff. But really it's right now building out that, building out the podcast. I'm writing book five. I'm getting ready to still, still making little tweaks on some of these other scripts because we're filming, uh, episode one right now. So you can still make tiny tweaks to episode two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, so doing, doing that as they come into the inbox. So it's uh it's a crazy, crazy time right now. And I'm actually you're, you're a lot busy, of busy man. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm blurbing some books here and there uh for people and uh that's always a, an honor to to do that as well. So All right. um yeah. Well to keep a Mitrap pod tradition alive just in our last second here <laughs> together. I'd like to leave you like I do most of our guests with a your very own personalized limerick. When we review books, I always give each book a limerick. And so um there's limericks for our guests as well. So here we go. A warrior, a husband, a father, a seal. James Reese or Jack Carr doth this reveal. A man on a mission, surpassing competition. To every thriller reader, his works surely appeal. Thank you, Jack, for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it. That is so awesome. Thank you, guys. That is so cool. We'll post Uh, that one for you. 
That'd be awesome. No, I really appreciate that. That is amazing. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. Thank you for doing this podcast. I love it. I've been intrigued since I since I first saw it. So uh, since I first saw it pop up a year or so ago. Uh, so yeah, keep uh, keep doing it. And please, anytime I can come on, love talking about Mitch Rapp, love talking about Vince Flynn, love talking about this this genre. Uh, and yeah, anytime. I'd love That's to, awesome. love cool. to come on and All right. talk to you guys. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, keep up the good work. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Take care. Bye. hope you enjoyed that interview as much as we did it's probably up there like tied with my my first like both of our interviews with kyle Uh, i was so giddy like before it the same way i was giddy before interviewing kyle so what a great guy he he's i was so nervous because on instagram he looks like uh you know like obviously he's a navy seal like he's very serious he normally has a picture of guns or whatever so i was just (laughs) nervous that he was just you know this very i don't know brusque guy he not at all so not at all like so nice he he like you know was just so engaged i don't know i just really enjoyed our conversation with jack it it was awesome i don't think we'll ever have a guest more excited to just chit chat about mitch rap like you and i we we get giddy about this but he was literally on his rocker like not sitting still getting to talk to us about mitch rap (laughs) no and the fact that he like had his copy of term limits that like yeah he picked up and you know it meant something to him yeah. like all he, of us he read it on out. the plane to yeah. Afghanistan. No, all, awesome. all of us who are probably listening right now have some sort of you know that mitrap moment or that vince flynn moment or your origin story and just to hear that from him was was great so hope you guys enjoyed that next time when we meet we will be going over extreme measures uh part one sort of the first half of the book uh so if you haven't read that, or if you want to read it again, dust off your copy, um, catch up with us roughly, you know, halfway through the book, we'll be covering. Again, we can't say thank you enough to our patrons, including our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, George, Matt, Dawn, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, and Jeff. Please, uh, you know, it really would help if you could subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or I guess Apple's the only one that does ratings, but, you know, anywhere you get your podcasts, uh, hit that subscribe button. Find us at MitchRapPod.com. You can use our Twitter or Instagram handle at MitchRapPod. And as always, just let Mitch be Mitch. Just a disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, or Simon & Schuster, but thank you to them for bringing us the wonderful world of rap. And the music soundtrack is Guerrilla Tactics by Raphael Crooks.